This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be visiting with the Chief Research Information Officer at Cleveland Clinic. Cleveland Clinic, of course, is one of the most renowned health systems in the entire world, always ranked first or second in the United States and, and also throughout the world, a great, great institution. And one of the cores of the greatness of Cleveland Clinic is the research. Dr. J. Hyde, can you take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Cleveland Clinic research? Thank you so much, Scott, for uh, having me today. Uh, it, it's, uh, I, I am the Chief Research Information Officer, as you mentioned. Uh, in that role, I uh, work very closely both with our research institute and with our information technology team. So my role is basically to bridge technology with research so that we can facilitate and accelerate and grow uh, research in our organization. Um, it, research is a uh, one of the founding pillars for Cleveland Clinic. Uh, our mission uh, entails researching health. So we care for the sick, we research health, and we educate those who serve. Um, uh, our research in Cleveland uh, Clinic has grown tremendously over the past uh, few years. Right now, we have about 400,000 square feet that are of space dedicated for different uh, research areas. We have more than 3,000 researchers uh, in Cleveland uh, Clinic. Um, our impact areas, so those are the uh, cornerstones of research that we've excelled in traditionally in Cleveland Clinic as a clinical care organization, we decided to focus on them and build them in research. Our heart and vascular, cardiovascular research, that is one. Second one is brain, so neurological disorders and eye disease. The third is cancer. And the fourth is uh, inflammation. Uh, disorders. Uh, those four major categories in, uh, engulf in them uh, all of the research areas that go all the way from basic science, so lab-type research, to clinical trials and studying new drugs, developing them, and testing them. So, um, let me make sure, Dr. J. I, cardio, brain, Cancer and inflammation. Brain, cancer, inflammation. And if you think, Scott, of all the diseases that people have, no matter what organ system they affect, they will fall under one of these four big buckets. Yes, a hundred percent. And how did um how did it happen historically that some of these magnificent institutions, whether it's Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, Mass General became so strong in research to go with having great hospitals and healthcare systems. How did that model evolve to where you've got this dual, I mean, we've got so many community hospitals that are magnificent, but aren't research institutions. And then you've got a certain amount of hospitals that are academic medical centers and, and truly research driven. Yeah, how, how, yeah. how did that become the model? Yeah, that's a very astute observation, and it really may, it, uh, it it really holds uh, true in the sense that, as you're saying, all of the top uh, performing hospitals in national rankings 
are equally top performing when it comes to research. In fact, it is hard to find a, a top 10 U.S. hospital uh, that doesn't heavily invest in research. And the reason for that is actually quite simple in the sense that you cannot treat patients without looking at the future and looking to discover how to better care for them. One of our founding fathers in Cleveland Clinic actually said that our mission is to care for the patients of today and the patients of tomorrow. There is no way that we can care for the patients of tomorrow without doing research to better understand diseases, better understand how to treat them, and develop new therapies that will uh, put us at the forefront of helping these patients as best as we could. Uh, and that is what research does. It is the path via which we can care for the patients of tomorrow. Right, so if you want to be at the very forefront of treating patients, you also want research decisions that are at the very forefront of figuring out the best ways to diagnose and, and treat the patients. And in, in today's world, because information flows so much better, that bridge could be easier to, to, to make, to gap, between research and treatment, but never as good as it is at a true institution that could bridge both right there research exactly. and treatment. Exactly. And that's exactly what we're doing here in Cleveland Clinic. We have the privilege of being a, uh, a, re a referral hospital, like a comprehensive care hospital. We have a lot of patients and a lot of referring physicians, physicians who put their trust in us. And they, uh, they allow us to participate in the care of patients who have fairly complex diseases, uh, who have been seen in multiple places before, and they have really complex medical problems uh, to solve. And we are organized in a way that uh, allows the synergy between the clinical team and the research teams um, just uh, naturally, our research institute, um, that what I mentioned at the beginning with all of that research space and the labs and the researchers, it sits within our hospital. So our basic scientists who are doing the, the work in the lab, working on uh, animal models or working on human cells to try to understand how cancer develops, for example, how does it start? have collaborators that they can just walk across the street and work with and talk to uh, within our clinical institute, and they can um, uh, study their uh, hypotheses that they uh, develop in patients who are now in the hospitals, and we include patients in our research quite regularly. Include, I mean here, working directly with patients to understand the problems that they want answered, that patients want answered. And, and, and Dr. J, let me ask you this question about inflammation. You know, it naturally, it, everybody thinks in terms of between car cardiovascular and cancer, you know, those are the two leading causes of death, the two things that affect most of our families one way or another. So we always think about those. The brain in a different way, and, and of course, increasingly as the population ages, more and more everybody and family worries about the brain and brain health 
as we get older, we worry about it more. Then comes inflammation, and inflammation covers so many things. And you know, there's always this issue on inflammation. Better off trying to stop them from getting inflamed than treat it when it becomes inflamed. When you think about inflammation, it 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 covers so many areas. Everything from like the the you know weekend athlete having their elbow inflamed or their knee inflamed to irritable bowel syndrome, your bowel being inflamed, to so many things. How do you categorize or look at inflammation? How does that? I mean, that that becomes one of the four main areas, and I wouldn't have expected that. Cardiovascular cancer. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is actually one of the main areas that we focus on because it is, as you said, uh, Scott, one that is involved in so many diseases at different stages. There are the obvious diseases that are uh, right from the beginning triggered and manifested through inflammation. Like, you know, you get stung by a bee, for example, and you have an allergic reaction. I mean, that's obvious and that's immediate. But there are many diseases that people don't know are uh, uh, triggered or exacerbated by inflammatory responses, even cancer, for example. A lot of the uh, most uh, innovative and recent effective therapies for lung cancer are based on modulating the immune response, changing the immune response of the body, and changing the way inflammation within the body attacks the cancer cells and destroys them. Uh, viral infections underlie close to about 20% of all cancers, for example. Uh, in my own uh, field, I'm a neurologist, uh, by the way, my specialty is in epilepsy, and the patients that I still treat have bad epilepsy with seizures that oftentimes are not controlled with medications that are given to them. And what we do is we find the part of their brain that's triggering their seizures, and there is a brain surgery that we do uh, to remove the epilepsy. The response to that surgery, how well the patient does afterwards as far as complications and seizure control is completely dependent on their immune system and inflammatory. Uh, that's an area of active research that we're involved in now. So inflammation is is so uh, important because it goes beyond a specific organ. Uh, it is the way our whole body is built and responds to insult. Fascinating. It makes a lot more sense. And talk about the role of Chief Health Research Information Officer, the core of that role. Talk to us about that. It's an emerging role, uh, actually, in, in the country. I'm the first one for Cleveland Clinic. Uh, for us as an organization, it became a necessity to create this role. Um, last year, I started in January 2020. Uh, we, we started the search uh, the year before that, and you know, I was fortunate enough to be selected. Uh, it's a role that, at its core, uh, is responsible for stewarding the data of patients in a healthcare organization. And part of that stewardship involves building uh, resources and building the infrastructure to accelerate research using that data so that we can better serve our patients faster. Uh, 
uh, research now is very much hindered by um, how slow we are as researchers in accessing data that we need to study and in studying it. It takes years if you pick any uh, research focus. Usually, it takes several years to build a lab, collect data, and then analyze it and, and get to some answers from it. My role is to accelerate all of that for researchers within Cleveland Clinic. So I work very closely with uh, investigators, um, uh, people who work, do very data-intensive type of research. Uh, and I work with our information technology team, uh, with our enterprise analytics teams uh, to uh, put together uh, the infrastructure, the resources, and the vision for how is it that we can um, accelerate research uh, to better help our patients. And is it, is it um, when you talk about data and the time it takes to research and the length of time, is the technology and computer era expediting a lot of that? I mean, is it moving quicker because more could be done on computer modeling versus actual testing of subjects? What's your sense of that and how is research expediting because of technology, computers, and so forth? Oh, yeah. So definitely having more computing capability uh, has accelerated our ability to crunch through data, crunch through numbers, and, and get answers. The challenge, Scott, though, is that the data is growing a lot faster than our computing technology is growing in the sense that um, we have now the ability in research, for example, to uh, collect genetic material uh, on individuals and to sequence, you know, so our whole makeup as humans is basically driven by our genetic makeup. Uh, it is, it starts with our DNA in a way that's the, the writing in the encyclopedia of our life, like those are the words. Uh, but then they get translated uh, into uh, proteins that our cells make, uh, and then these proteins get together and have different functions, etc. So 10 years ago, we couldn't uh, get the DNA sequenced um, in any reasonable you know, amount of time. You may recall it was a big deal many years ago when the Human Genome Project was announced and um, the first genetic code was sequenced. Uh, that was huge at the time. Right now, we do it routinely uh, on our patients and we have the ability to get all of that uh, data. Uh, so our challenge now is how do we get enough compute capabilities so that we analyze this exponentially larger amount of data are getting. And that's why we are looking for innovative ways in compute uh, that go uh, beyond the traditional compute models of, you know, the binary compute systems with the zeros and the ones. And we're looking, for example, here in Cleveland Clinic at quantum computing, if it uh, will uh, serve better our research needs. 
No, absolutely. It's a fascinating discussion. What's happened is there's an explosion in computer speed and so forth, but then there's just an explosion in data too. And so even though things are expediting, there's still huge challenges in managing it all and see what you're saying. And I am also old enough, probably far older than you are, to remember when they first mapped the human genome, and it was a huge deal, of course, right? And now it's routinely done for precision medicine and becoming more and more routine. I want to thank you, Dr. J. Hype. I could talk to you all day and have you on all the time. It's just a pleasure to hear what you're doing, what Cleveland Clinic is doing, and to hear sort of how you break down what you what where the focus is on research and some of the issues. Thank you so much for joining the Becker's Healthcare Podcast today. Thank you so much.